Welcome to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. Josh Cantwell. If you love entrepreneurship and investing in real estate, then you are in the right place. Josh is the CEO of Freeland Ventures Real Estate Private Equity and has personally invested in well over 500 properties all across the country. He's also made hundreds of private lender loans and owns over 1,000 units of apartments. Josh is an expert at raising private money for deals, and he prides himself on never having had a boss in his entire adult life. Josh and his team also mentor investors and entrepreneurs from all over the world. He doesn't dream about doing deals. He actually does them, and so do his listeners and students. Now sit back, listen, listen learn, learn, and accelerate your business, your life, and your investing with the Accelerated Investor Podcast. So hey guys, welcome back. This is Josh Cantwell with Accelerated Investor. Thanks so much for joining us, whether you're catching this on iTunes or in YouTube. Uh, I'm really excited. As you know, we try to deliver to you guys the best and brightest information, strategies, personal development hacks, that we possibly can, a lot of it from my own experience of the good things, the bad things, and the awful dumpster fires that I've experienced in my life to help you along your journey, whether you're uh, just trying to get more out of your life and perform at a higher level, whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, whether you're an investor, whether you're a real estate investor or investing in the markets, uh, this podcast and interview series is my way to kind of just open up, be transparent, tell the world about all the things we've done right and wrong to help other people along with their journey. And I've got with me today a relatively new friend, Augustino Pintus, who is a, I said that right? right? That's right, it's correct. Perfect. All right, so there's the American way to say it, and then there's the Greek, you know, uh, European way to say it. Right. Um, but he is a very successful investor, and he's been through the proverbial landmine of life and real estate had amazing successes, been through his own dumpster fires, and is having amazing success today as a multifamily real estate investor. He currently owns and controls over 500 units of multifamily apartments, has over 100 in his pipeline right now. And we're going to talk today just a little bit about apartments and multifamily. We're going to talk a little bit about life. We're going to talk a little bit about things we've done right and things we've done wrong. And I hope you guys love it and enjoy it. So, Augustino, welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. For sure. So we've talked a lot. We've got to know each other just really in the last month or so. Um, And for those of you guys that are out there looking at, you know, how do I meet new people? How do I network? You know, of course, like real estate's hot. Things are going good, right? And we attend and sponsor all the local RIA club meetings, both in Cleveland and Columbus. We go to lots of meetups. Uh, we met Augustino through some of those groups, and I was a, a speaker at one of those groups. And we've just, you know, relationship is building. We're talking about doing some joint venture stuff on some apartments and take it from there. So, uh, Augustino, let's just start with your business today, um, and then we'll go backwards. So sure, sure, sure. Talk to our audience a little bit more about your strategy for investing in the markets. Uh, how do you find deals? What are you investing in? Getting access to capital, 
What are you excited about right yeah, now in the, in, the, in the investing world? You know, right now, yes, all we do is we buy C and B class properties. Uh, finding the B stuff is a little bit tougher these days, even finding the C stuff is, right? But what we're looking to do is trying to find value-add assets that we can go in, improve, uh, drive some appreciation, hang on to them for up to 10 years, pull out a refi in, you know, anywhere between three to five, and return almost all the capital, if not 100% of the capital, back to the investors at that refi time. But, uh, you know, we're looking to target some really good, good numbers for them. And, um, yeah, it's just it's the only time uh, we have we have issues is trying to find assets these days, like everyone else is, is, um, you know, just it's all done through networking. Right. That's how we're doing it now. We're trying. We built up our own network of brokers. The brokers know who I am. They know that we can close and we know that we always execute. We, nice. I, we never put down an LOI unless we intend on taking it down. You know, So unlike other guys out there, they'll start slamming out LOIs willy-nilly. We don't do any of that stuff. And I think mo- many of the brokers are aware of that. Nice. Uh, to them, it's, it's super important that whatever you're gonna bid on, you're actually gonna close. That's important. You Got know? it. So it's, it's mainly built on that. Do you, have, um, do you have a specific asset that you own in your portfolio now that's kind of like your crown jewel, your favorite property? And uh, tell us about it, because if, if that's the crown jewel, you probably just want to go find more of those. Yes, yes. Right? The, so the, you know, the, the crown jewel is a Triumph Tower. It's a, it's a recent acquisition we just did in Euclid. It's a, it's a little one. It's 126 units. We, we bought this from a mom and pop operator who, you know, he had some hard time managing it. It was the only one that he had. And plenty of opportunity, plenty of upside. We saw it right away. My, my partners and I, we, we went in and took that sucker down. Nice. And we're in the process of investing another 650K into this thing to make it, to improve it. It's literally three minutes away from the Amazon Distribution Center. There's nice. a whole lot of things happening in Euclid. That's all kinds of great things happening in the community. It's just going to be an amazing property. So stuff. tell us about the price. Like, what was the purchase price? You're putting yeah. 650 into it. What's the new value going to be? So tell for, us about the cash flow. Yeah, you said about re- refinancing and trying to get their investors their money back in three to five years, which is amazing. Yeah. Tell us about the numbers. Yeah. So the purchase price in this one is just over four million dollars. So uh, interesting story. Uh, it was originally listed at three million eight hundred eighty-eight thousand dollars. Right. So we ended up. So they're Asian. Okay. So it's it's, it's, it's Chinese superstition, right? Right. So I happen to know a little bit about the culture. I traveled to China for for a bit for some business and uh, stayed over there for like about a month or so. So I learned a little bit about the superstition. And my my broker happens to be Asian too. He's Chinese too, right? So he, he reminded me of these different nuances. So I'm like, okay, so we need to bid. That three million eight hundred eighty-eight thousand dollars plus eighty-eight cents. We added eighty-eight cents okay. to that, right? So because um, that's like for good luck, right? That's the right. Eight, the that's right. Okay. That's right. So they they pushed back, and we ended up bidding four million twenty-eight thousand dollars or twenty-eight thousand eight hundred eighty-eight dollars and eighty-eight cents, right? Nice. So because two is also a lucky number, by the way. Okay. So we, we gave them an extra thirty k or whatever it was. And um, you know, still, still a great deal. You know, it's very much in line with what's going on in the market today, as far as cost per door and the return is concerned, right? Nice. And um, you know, we're going to put another 650k into this thing. I, I, we believe that once this thing is repositioned, and I, I'm always conservative with my numbers. I'm thinking it's going to be somewhere in the, in the realm of 5.4, 5.6 million nice. when it's when it's repositioned and done, right? Uh, and when it's I say, in for 4.6, 4.7, be worth 5.5. Yes. Make eight, nine hundred a million of equity created. That's right. 
and okay. then obviously the long term appreciation depreciation. Oh yeah, we've already yeah we already started all that. that. Yeah, we've already yeah. started all that. We've already started all the uh, cost segregation, all that stuff too. We're just kicking that off now. But you know, really, the, the big thing is repositioning this asset to not only improve the interiors, you know, clean up the finishes, also improve the tenant base to drive up. That those rents as well. That's going to be a huge, huge part of it. And also getting the expenses under control too. I mean, on day one, we we're able to cut half a million dollars in annual expenses right away. Wow. From what? What did you? Was, was all it? kinds of dumb stuff that was going on. They had they had all these employees that they didn't need. I have right. my management company. I brought them in. Uh, they had everything from trash to all these different these different things that they that they were paying for. They just didn't need. Or I was able to use my my contracts I already have with these other assets. Bring them in at a discount. Okay. Right? So it was huge. Nice. Crazy. Crazy. So the question becomes like, how do you go do more of those? Right. And you already kind of touched base on. Okay, we've, we've got to find brokers that know we can put out a letter of intent. We know we're going to close if we can get it. We're very competitive in that way. We perform when we say we're going to perform. That's a big deal. Um, so tell us a little bit more about the pieces about your team. And the reason why I ask is we have a lot of different entrepreneurs that listen to this this podcast. We've got guys that own e-com businesses and do marketing funnels, run marketing agencies. Yes. We've got executives. Of course, we've got real estate investors. And the only way you can scale a business is through people. Right, you can you can say we want to sell a million of these widgets, but unless you have people to run your systems, you you can't sell a million widgets. You can't grow a business. So tell us about your process. Some of the people that you have on your team. Sure. Um, what what roles do they play, and how are you finding, training, and retaining solid contractors, employees, staff? Because like you, you know you want to build a massive portfolio, five thousand doors, ten thousand doors. How do you do it? You do it through people. So what are your thoughts around yeah, that? You know, the days as a solo entrepreneur is over, you know, and uh, no great business ever gets big on their own by one guy. It just doesn't happen. You know, you can't even think of right. one small company, right? Um, and I'm a real, real believer in that. My, my team is, uh, I only align myself with people that have integrity and they say, they, whatever they do, they're going to say they're going to do, right? So aside from, of course, having a great CPA and having great attorneys um, and great partners as well, uh, as far as capital raising and things like that, when it comes to the actual team itself, before all those people even get involved, is um, we have, for instance, on the other writing side, right? We have deals that fly in all the time, right? right. And for instance, I, sometimes it comes to me directly, or sometimes it comes to one of my someone on my team, or even one of my students that we're coaching. They'll get it. They'll they'll underwrite it. They'll analyze it first, and they'll tell me whether it's a good deal or not. If it is, then I'll take a look at it. Then I'll underwrite it separately from what they do, right? Uh, once we once we figure that out, I then send it over to the bank. I don't send them my numbers. I said, here, Stephen. Tell me what you think about this deal. Is this yeah. a good deal or not? And then we compare notes. Now I have three numbers to compare. All right. So, nice. so who's who's like? Are we okay? Are we within the, the certain thresholds? Once we figure all that out, right? Then we actually make the move. Then we actually prepare the LOI and, and hand it over to the broker. And I have one broker that I work with primarily. I have a whole lot of brokers out there, a lot yeah, of broker relationships. Sure. But there's only one. I only have personally one guy. He's my go-to guy. You know, Got it. Um, in my opinion, I, I mean, I always deal with brokers. 
I always, I, I don't, that's just me. I prefer to do, do it that way because they, they help keep things in line and, and rolling yeah. down the line. A good broker will. Hitting deadlines, due diligence, exactly. financing, getting to the closing table on time, on budget. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. they're good at that. Everyone wants to get paid. Real estate's a commission business. That's, and that's it. You know, they're going to get to the closing table. That's right. You know what? They're, they're going to get paid for it, and that's okay. I'm fine with it. You know, I'm fine with it. I'm cool with it. As, as long as they're keeping everything in line, everything is, is moving down the line where it's supposed to go. I'm okay with it. Yeah. You know, always go with a broker. And, um, but aside from that, once, once that's all done, of course, at the same time too, we also have a great management company. They're, they're, all, they're part of the due diligence process. Are they third party or internal? Third party right third now. Party. Right great. now it's all third party. And, and they, but they, they help us with the lease audits. They help us with, with utility audits. They, they look at, they look for, uh, are there any side deals going on where the previous, the current owner has is like paying for cable TV for for these four units over here? I yeah. mean, you'd be surprised some of the wacky stuff you find. The money for laundry that they're not claiming. The money for laundry they're not claiming exactly. Or there's even those those speaking of laundry, those those leases that, that last forever. Those ten year leases from CSC, yeah. for instance, right? Oh my, <laughs> yeah, guys, always make sure that there's no ten year lease <laughs> on your laundry. <laughs> make sure. It's a negotiation point there, guys. Uh, but you know, but but, and I'm serious about that because that stuff is, is already it's come up on two deals now, right? Okay. The automatic renewal thing, and you can't get out of it. Um, but they look for stuff like that, and then we well, while they're looking for, we also try to find ways of getting out of it, or if it's a, an agreement that we don't want. Um, but they're actively involved; they're helping us with due diligence. And again, they'll do their due diligence; we do ours. It's yeah. concurrent. It happens at the same time, but then we compare notes and see how it goes. So it's almost like a check and balance type system, right? Perfect. I don't want to be the only guy underwriting something. Right. You know, I can certainly do it. I've done it. Uh, and nor do I want Gary to But it's be. always an opinion, right? It's like a realtor's opinion of a broker's price opinion or a exactly. realtor's opinion of CMA value. What's the rents? And if you know anything about commercial real estate, each rent when you got 100 doors, if the difference between $600 per month and 650 per month, when you add it all up across 100 doors, it's hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars in value. That's right. It's a big, big deal. That's right. That's great. So, Augustino, tell us a little bit more about um, are, are you syndicating your deals? Tell us more about structure as far as like bringing investors in because they're you know, providing your down payment or your, your renovation rehab. You know, usually the Commercial lenders are funding 75, 80% of the acquisition. Tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. And then some of the different structures that you've done. And then how, how are your investors making some money? Uh, are they staying in the deal for a long time? Pref returns? You know, we're not, we're not soliciting money here. So let's so just make that disclaimer. <laughs> right. But our audience wants to know, like, different structures. How are people structuring their deals and doing it successfully. Yes, yes, yes. Well, deal structures vary, right? Uh, a typical one that we'd be doing would require us uh, or would, would allow us to give up, say, 60% of the deal, right? So we're keeping 40, we're giving up 60 uh, to the investors. And the investors are the limited partners, we're the GP, we hang on to it. Um, in exchange for that, we were looking for the down payment, typically sitting at 75 to 80%, mm -hmm. you pointed out earlier. Uh, we're also giving a 6% pref on that on that money as well, right? Nice. Uh, payouts don't begin until six months after we stabilize the property and we get it under control. We you know, find out where all the skeletons are, get everything, get everything running. <laughs> it's always skeletons. It's always skeletons. It's always something that they didn't tell you no matter what. And uh, so we're always cleaning all that up first. And then once we once we're, uh, get all that out of the way, 
we start delivering returns quarterly on a quarterly basis as we're at. Nice. I'd love for us to get us to a point where we're big enough that we'll be able to deliver monthly returns. That's something I'd, that I'd like to do. Yeah. Uh, but for the time being, we're just doing quarterly. Quarterly's good, yeah, even when you're massive like yeah. monthly is too much of a pain in the butt that's stick right. with quarterly that's right and you know typically you know on, on uh, we we tell investors we're doing like a 10 percent cash on cash return mm-hmm. and we usually target like a 15 percent irr we, we we do much better than that but whenever we're talking to investors that's what we tell them nice that's where we're at nice so um so let's talk about the future. Like you have yeah. 500 doors now, another 100 in your pipeline. What, 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 what are you trying to get to? And the reason why I ask is we're going to have new investors, intermediate and advanced full-time real estate investors that hear this. We've also got executives and CEOs and business owners who are, have a lot of net free cash. And they're thinking, well, how do I invest in real estate passively? Um, and I want to talk a little bit about like we know where you're at today. Let's let's go to where you want to be, right? Yes. In a few years from now, and then let's we'll, we'll go all the way go back, all the way back. to right. the past, sure. And we'll talk dumpster fire stuff, all me right. and you. So, <laughs> what, what what does the next two to five years look like for you? Like, do you have a number of number of doors, assets under management? Tell no, me about that. Number of doors is three thousand units. Okay. I, I, it's, By when? I write it down. It's this year. Okay. Great. There you <laughs> go. Year. So it requ- it's a very aggressive timeline. Fortunately, through through the training that I do, I do we do coaching and training. We we actually have our students out there. They're looking for deals too. Nice. Right? So, so you leverage uh, yourself that way. Exactly. For you you. Know, get to help them get into deals and they're happy because they actually get to leverage our, our team to get into these deals as well. And they're getting the experience that they need to get into a deal too. Yeah. Joint venture partner, a lot of your systems. Exactly. Co-sponsor, personal guarantee on the loan, uh, contractors, third-party management, all the stuff that you've figured out. Exactly. And they're bringing deals in. That's great. I actually started back in 2005 when we went full-time, did exactly that. We called them, uh, can't remember the name, but we, we had uh, Apprentice Partnership. Ah, yeah. Ten guys in groups of two, so five teams out looking for residential deals. Same thing. Like We were actually relatively new to the business, but we knew enough to be like a couple steps ahead of some of our friends who wanted to get into real estate. Yep. They would come in Thursday nights, we'd get pizza, we would train them, we gave them all territories, and they were finding crazy deals. Back then we were doing all wholesaling and short sale negotiations and things like that. And we were maybe only six months or a year ahead of them, but that was enough that we had some credibility and some authority and about 50 deals that we closed. And uh, they became amazing like bird dogs and acquisitions guys. So I, lo- I love the... Love the strategy. But, and you know what, though? There's, there's real value there. I mean, you touched on this earlier about construction, guys. You know, if you're just starting out, you have no idea what it costs to paint a room. You just don't know. Trim, is, is boring. It, yeah, is it 100 bucks? Is it 400 bucks? You're going you're to buy a house or buy, buy a building and have a contractor show up, and you're going to say to them, you're going to make the mistake of saying to them, well, Joe, what do you think it's going to cost to paint this? And Joe's going to answer with the highest number possible. possible. Whatever he can get away with. Whatever he can get away with. He'll look at you. He'll look at your shoes. Oh, he's wearing Gucci. You know what? For you, 800 bucks. <laughs> yeah, you get a Gucci room, Gucci right. paint. And, and that's exactly it. You know, But if you, have, if you have that experience behind you, the experienced guy would know cost per square foot to paint is X. Cost to paint trim is Y. Joe, here's your list. It's going to cost you 200 bucks to paint this room. Joe says no, 
Tell them to pound salt, find another guy. I mean, those are sorts of – it's a little, little thing, but it's those little things that will keep you from getting killed in this deal, in this, this whole business. Many people overlook those things. Yeah. You know, they just, they just uh, hand it off to the, to the property manager and, and that's step it. Away. And step that's away. That's what I would do because I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking always way up here and strategizing way up here. That's why I've got I've to bring in great people because I'm – I honestly could easily be taken advantage of because I'm not like – I'm not always familiar of price per square foot of this or price per square foot of that, but I've got Tim Roth sitting over in a couple couple rooms over. That's his job. He's our rehab underwriter, project yeah. manager. That's his job. Does an amazing job for us. Um, so three thousand doors by the end of the year. Fantastic. Hopefully we can JV on a whole bunch of those. Absolutely. That'd be great. Looking forward to it. So Augustino, let's go back then. Let's talk about your entrepreneurial journey, and this is really my favorite part of the discussion sure. where I get in with uh, a new guest or a new friend. Um, is is the, the journey because we've all go down these different paths and sometimes we do it right out of the gate. I can't believe how many people I've met who did it right out of the gate and then screwed it all up. Or the guys that struggled forever and then finally hit a grand slam. Or the guys that just kind of methodically went about their business and it just seemed to all grow, grow, grow. And then all of a sudden it was hockey stick. Everybody's got a different path. Yeah. So where did your path begin? I know you started in the corporate world as a very young CIO. Tell us a little bit about that, and then how did that pivot into your real estate journey? Sure, sure, sure. Well, I've actually been an, an entrepreneur my entire life since I was like nine years old. Started writing. I was one of those kids that write code, write, write code, you know, that kind of thing. And there was code when we were nine because we're probably there, about the same. There, yeah, there, there, there was. It was basic. It's basic, basic code. Method. Basic. Right. Yeah, it was on the Commodore sixty four. Right. Oh, I love Commodore sixty four. <laughs> Space Invaders, man. That's right. Yeah, I used, love- and I used to, but I used to code that stuff. Yeah, I used to write it, you know. And at nine years old, I trained myself on how to do it. And uh, and I've always wanted to do something on my own. Kids, if you don't know, if you're listening, you're young, you don't know what Commodore 64 is. Go ahead, and <laughs> go ahead and look it up. There we go. Yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's caveman computing. Those, those classic games are back in now too. Yeah, they it's, are. It's crazy. It's crazy. Vintage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know. I would say that my journey when it comes to real estate only started about 16 years ago. So back in 2004, about the same time you got started. Yeah, sure. And, you know, I think the, but the most relevant time was, was when everything just went south. That's probably more, the most relevant, you know, because at the time I was, uh, was living in Florida. I took a consulting gig to, um, to work at this, um, at this some, some bank down there right after the crash, right? Up until that point, I was a CIO. A uh, young young CIO in my early 30s, uh, helping. We just went public, you know, helping this, these guys grow their business. You know, it was, yeah. it was insane. It was uh, debt collections, asset purchasing, that kind of thing. Big right? salary, big salary, Corvettes, stock. Corvettes, Hummers, Corvettes. all kinds of yeah. madness going on, right? And then, but anyway, so I'm, now I'm consulting in Florida, right? And uh, I get I get to the house. I'm renting. Turn on the light switch. There's no lights, and I know why. Oh you know, I know why. It's like I realize that I have this sinking feeling in my stomach. I didn't pay the electric bill because I had no money to pay for anything. I had nothing. Right. Wow. The reason why is I just gone through a divorce. The crash just wiped me out. Right. The right after the yeah. economic crash, it was terrible. Right. And uh, you know, it was. You now I was frustrated. I was lost. I was. I was broke. I was broken. You know, as yeah. well, you know, especially broken, broken. everything, yeah. everything, everything was gone. Right. I couldn't even pay the electric bill. It was, it was probably one of the darkest moments, but it, it took making a vow, making a promise to myself that that would never 
ever, ever happen again. I can't do this anymore. I won't do this anymore. How do you go from C-level executive at a publicly traded company to now you can pay your electric bill? Oh, yeah. Wow. Right? Fall from grace. That's, that's, a, that's a big fall. That's a big drop. Yeah. That's a huge drop. You know, so... But what did you learn? Like, what... what Coming out of that, like personally, mentally, physically, relationship-wise, like all, it's often in the biggest dumpster fires of life. Like when I had cancer, right? That you you learn the most about yourself. You learn what you can tolerate, how much pain and suffering you can tolerate. You also learn about all the things that you won't do again. And yeah. that's often the best lesson is I'm never going to do this, this, and that again. So what was that like for you? What lessons did you take from that? You know, I, I would say this, that uh, there's a... There's a great deal of commitment. You really have to make commitment. I'm not just talking about committing like, yeah, I'm committed. It's fine. No, no, no. I mean, you wake up in the morning, you get your workout in on time every single day, and then you work. Yeah. That's it. That is what you're doing. You don't take days off. Yeah. You don't sit. You demonstrate t- commitment by doing. Right. Not just by saying. Right. Exactly. You're not sitting on sitting on your duff watching Game of Thrones. No offense to people who watch Game of Thrones. I heard it's a great show. Yeah. I've never seen a single Neither episode. Neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't have time for that. Yeah. I mean, right now, I got this burning passion, this burning ember that it, that sits inside me every day that keeps me focused on this. Because to get to 3,000 units, there's no time to watch TV. There's no yeah. time to chill there's no time to relax i mean it takes sacrifice to get there but once i get there then yeah maybe i'll catch a show yeah for the time being that's not it and what that's what happened you know early on when i was the cio earning all kinds of money i relaxed everything's okay you don't have to worry about it it's fine it'll last It'll, it'll be here forever until it's not. Until they hand you the box. Yeah. The box where you put all your stuff in and you go home. <laughs> you get the box. And they get your keys and your computer. Right. And, and all your stock that yeah. they promised you. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying, though. There, there's no time to relax. And, and that's, and, you know, in, in my coaching that I do, I make sure that I tell, I tell my students, that like, guys, this requires a whole lot of work and a whole lot of commitment. Sprint if you, phase. If you can't do it, you don't need to be here. Simple yeah. as that. That's it's that kind of commitment that's required to build success. You have to be committed. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's one big and committed thing. for the long t- the long haul. Like, yes. Even if you have like people think well, like look, look my first calendar year of investing in real estate, primarily doing wholesaling and short sales, and flips, and we did over a million dollars of gross income that year. First year nice. between two thousand and five, two thousand six. Me and my partner were humping it, busting it, but at the end of the day. Paid some employees, not a lot, but then you split that up between partners. It's really not like right. tremendous. Even if you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars, it's really not. It's not legacy money. Right. It's just like you paid the bills, you put some money away, you probably overspent, wasted some of it, and that million bucks really goes boom like that. That's it's gone. right. That's right. It's gone. Yeah. So having the, having knowing that, like, I think for a lot of people, it's about expectation. Like a lot of people are thinking like. Oh, if I can make a hundred thousand dollars, I remember my dad twenty-five years ago saying, "Like, I'm six. I make six figures." And I tell people today, like, a quarter million dollars a year is the new six figures. Oh yeah, easy, right? So two fifty is the old one hundred. And if you're not there, like, you're not really making a massive dent in the world or any kind of legacy stuff for your family. You certainly, could be having a great income, and not everybody wants to strive for that because it takes a different level of commitment, right? But for entrepreneurs that are like, I want to make a large income, I want to get to the point of making six figures, like that's not really in my world, that's not in alignment. That's not exactly it. I mean, and part of it is, is that, and you just touched on this, 
aside from the commitment, next is those goals. What, no, what are you promising yourself? What are you promising your family that you're going to deliver? Yeah. You know, what are, what are those? And I, I mean, I write my affirmations down every single day. Every day I'm writing them down. I remind myself. I'm subconsciously programming myself with what I'm going to do and when I'm going to do it. Nice. That's so, so, so important to making w- whatever you want in your life to happen, happen. It has to be that way. And you know what, though? And if you're going to build something legacy, what you're referring to, if you're going to build a legacy, $250,000 is not going to cut anything. Yeah. It's not yeah. going to do anything. I mean, you're ta- 3,000 units is just the beginning to get to legacy. Right. You know, and, and to get to that, it requires a whole lot of energy and a whole lot of action. And when you're sitting sitting around, uh, you know, waiting for stuff to happen, it's, nothing will ever happen to you. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. We, we talk all the time with our people about taking inventory. Yep. So setting goals. Uh, knowing why you want to do it, what are the reasons why you want to do what you're saying you're going to do? Like, what are the reasons behind own, owning 3,000 doors? Like, what does that do? And I imagine for you, it might be the pain, the fear of going from up here to having nothing and even less than nothing, debt and going like you know, oh, yeah. way into the red. But is that what drives you? Like, what drives you to 3,000 units? Is it the pleasure of that or is it the fear of? What happened back in two thousand eight? I I, th- I think it's a, it's a little bit of both. Okay, you know, um, you know, my I, I grew up to I was I was raised by immigrants, right? By my my family's from Italy, right? Mm-hmm. And we we didn't grow up with much, you know. So I don't come from any money. I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth or anything yeah. else like that. You know, we struggled. I put myself through school. I financed the whole thing on credit cards. That's how I did it. Wow. You know, an undergrad and two master's degrees, all on my own. You're a smart guy. No, no government, no government money, no nothing. I did it all on my own. Good for you. Right. And that that's took, great. I love that to t- hear that. That took a lot of work. I did uh, my first master's degree in a year and a half while working full time. You know, so wow. it took a lot of effort to do that. Right. And so I'm, I'm used to hard work. And, you know, when, but when, when that crash happened, that it totally wiped me out. That's one thing, I, that promise I made myself years ago. I remember, I still remember it like this yesterday. I'm, sit, I'm sitting in that living room in Florida, you know, in, in the darkness. It's ridiculous. But secondarily, though, I mean, I, I want to build a legacy. I want to build, I want to build something for my son to pass on to him yeah and he can pass on to his family i do my i have have our podcast too that we do it's it's not just a podcast it's a set of instructions yeah there are instructions on how to run this business long after i'm gone he can imagine listening to your dad tell you how to run your company yeah wouldn't that that be cool right so cool man (laughs) yeah and that's and that's what i'm programming for him right now you know it's like and I, i made a vow to my wife that I'm going to take care of things, and that's what I'm doing. Yeah, you know? and that's why we do what we do. You know, and but right now it's it's about legacy and not not being the way it was before. Because I won't do it again. It's not going to happen. No yeah. way. And it's a very different. It's a very different mindset. I'm not the same guy that I was back then. I'm just not. Yeah, the fear I think for a lot of people is the fear of getting stuck or not having or going back to where they were, telling themselves like I'm I'm better than that. Like I'm better than what was back then. For me, it's definitely about fear. Like I yeah. think of the fear of surviving cancer, the fear of my business going dumpster fire around the same time I was having cancer and my father, him selling his business right before he about to retire. He was basically retired for a year, then was diagnosed with Parkinson's. And so I also think about, I also don't want to do the 40, 40, 40 deal, right? Work for 40 years, 40 hours a week, 
for 40% Terrible. of the income that we used to make. Terrible. Like that's what our parents all grew up with, right? Yeah. And they, if they saved extra money, maybe they had a little bit of extra money afterwards. But um, at the end of the day, like it's the fear of actually seeing like what my father went through of basically being retired for a year, selling his business for not quite what he wanted to get out of it. And then all, all of a sudden, he's in the middle of a Parkinson's diagnosis and never really able to actually retire. So I looked at the fact that, you know, he took us on these amazing, great vacations when he was an entrepreneur and his business started going really well. We went to Jamaica, we went to Cancun, we went to California, we went to all these different amazing fun places. And I think like, well, I've, I've got to have that. I've got to work hard, hustle, really, really, really commit to my goals. But I also want to have these like mini retirements while I'm young. Yeah. Because there's no guarantee, if, especially if you're being a cancer survivor, knowing that my grandmother had Alzheimer's and diabetes and leukemia and my dad has Parkinson's that I don't know that there's a retirement for me. And I think a lot of people are living to be 80 and 90 years old, but retirements are not always like they don't have the energy. They're not they're not in their youth anymore. So tell me a little bit about that. Like, how, how are you managing your personal goals of building 3000 units, hustling your face off, but taking time to enjoy life now keep it all balanced because i think that at the end of the day like working 60 hours a week and building 10,000 units would be great but what are you sacrificing along the way because right. there's no guarantee that you'll be able to enjoy the 3,000 units or 10 so how, how are you managing that in your personal life your entrepreneurial journey i'll tell you what right now the the, the i think the difference with um between an entrepreneur and a non-entrepreneur is what you do with that fear first off if you take that fear and you use it to drive you as opposed to let it debilitate you, then that's what makes all the difference in the world right there. And, yeah. I, and I think for most people, that's what it, the, the, the fear just overtakes them, and that's what causes them to do nothing. Do nothing, right. And, right? So that fear, I, I use that fear to help drive. You know, it's, it's not just fear. I mean, I have other things that, that, that I want to do. Um, having true financial freedom requires a great deal of work, you know, and so I'm very fortunate that I actually get to work with my wife every day. So we see each other every day. We work on, in the home office where we look at deal. I take her with me, look at deals sometimes. We actually, she's my partner when it comes to doing this sort of business. So nice. in that way, it's actually not, not that bad. It's, it's only just her and I right now and my son, of course. But, you know, it's um, right now, at least for this year anyway, our plan is just to to bust it out as as hard as we can, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, we'll go we'll go to the, the occasional trip to Colombia, or yeah. we'll go down to Florida for a quick getaway, whatever. Right now, it's just work. That's yeah. it. I mean, that's that's I'm, that's I had to, that's all I can tell you. There is no work life balance. It's just life. Yeah. It's just life, and we just got We just got We're just pushing it as hard as we can to get to that goal. I think once the goal is hit, we'll um, we'll we'll be able to shove off different aspects to take a breath. Yeah, yeah, take a breath. But for the time being, no. That's it. No, that's it. That's, that's great. what we're doing. Yeah. My mom said something to me uh, years ago that I'll never forget. And I'll, sh I'll share it with you and share it with our audience and then we'll, we'll wrap up. But uh, she said to me, you know, me and, me and your dad have been married 50 years. We celebrated their 50-year anniversary last year and now 51 years. It's amazing. It's awesome. Um, and we planned a great party and it was just really, really fun and all the videos and all the things with my, with these two amazing aunts, my mom's sisters that are really funny. And, but my mom said to me, uh, around that time, she said, you know, I feel like I was married to a different man every five years for the last 50 years. So 10 times, you know, 50 divided by five, yeah, yeah. every five years I felt like I was married to someone different. 
uh, because sometimes we were in sprint mode. Sometimes we had extra and we took our foot off the gas. Sometimes you kids were young. Sometimes you kids were in trouble. <laughs> you know, my brother Matt went through a divorce and then he had that five-year phase. And we've had other business successes and business failures. And so I think for anybody, there's it's, no, it's not possible to just constantly keep your foot on the gas. Right. But you go through phases and sometimes you are just in sprint mode, right? And that's where you're at now. As long as you recognize that and say, like, we're good with that as a family, I think that's a family decision. Oh, you got to have the family on board. Absolutely. Yeah. Got to have them on board. Yeah. And that's, I think, for a lot of entrepreneurs, I've made this mistake and is, you know, I'm in this mode, but I'm not taking my family, my wife, my kids along with the journey. They don't know where my head's at. And so then when I'm saying, like, this is what I'm doing today or this is what I'm doing this week, this month, it's not congruent where, where they are. And so I think part of the challenge of being a successful entrepreneur is, to first of all say, like, I don't have all the answers, right? Especially being vulnerable to your wife and your husband and your kids. Being vulnerable, say, I'm going to do the best I can to provide for you guys, but I don't have all the answers. So this is how I think I'm going to attack it. What do you think? It's been very, very helpful for me. And then other times to say, well, listen, honey, like, we need to sprint right now. For the next year, two, five, whatever it is, we're in sprint mode. And then, you know, there's times we could take our foot off the gas a little bit and, not, and do, take longer vacations and take more time off. And sprint mode, you know, sprint mode kind of stops for a minute and you're kind of in jog mode, if you will. But inevitably, it, I don't know why it is, but sometimes when I feel like I've been in jog mode, that's kind of when like the, the, the crazy cracks, the f- problems start to creep in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If, if you stay in there too long. Stay in there too long. That's right. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, and part of this is, is developing the systems and the processes that things are still running. You know, so maybe, you know what, maybe I won't look at 100 deals this week. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll cut it down to 50, you know, or whatever, right? But uh, that's, that's my version of jogging as yeah. opposed to sprinting. But I think, but you just hit the nail on the head. If the family is not on board, if the wife is not on board with what it is you're doing, or your spouse or whoever, right? If your spouse is not on board with what you're doing, you're going to fail. Yeah. Or a good chance of it, you're going to fail, right? They have to be on board. If they're not, you better either fix it or change direction or do something unless unless the relationship's not important to you that's a whole different story right? yeah right right, right. You shouldn't be listening to this podcast yeah, yeah. <laughs> right right i see yeah, we've never heard like a ted talk or an amazing youtube video with millions of views and shares where you know the entrepreneurs up there and say yo we did it and uh you know and my wife was not on board my family was not on right. board i don't no, want to think no my family, like, that, yeah it, that, those videos don't exist they don't exist absolutely right? absolutely and that's and that's 100 percent true guys i'll tell you right now this if, the the life of entrepreneur is can be uh hectic but wouldn't have it any other way wouldn't have it any other way no absolutely for sure so augustino listen thanks for joining us before we leave we're going to have people that listen to this that want to be mentored by you they want to joint venture with you sure. they want to invest with you actively passively whatever um, how can people reach you? You have your own successful podcast. Tell us about yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, bulletproofcashflow.com, found on all the major platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, we're everywhere, right? Check us out. Uh, subscribe. Leave a comment if you listen, if you like this stuff. If you don't like this stuff, let me know. Leave a comment. Tell me. Tell yeah. me you don't like it. Tell me what you want to hear, right? Um, but uh, bulletproofcashflow.com, go there. You can reach me there as well. Uh, that's the best way to get me. Fantastic. Augustino, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being on Accelerated Investor, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to Josh Cantwell and the Accelerated Investor Podcast. Leave a comment on our iTunes channel and let us know what you want to learn next or who you'd like Josh to interview. While you're there, give us a five-star rating 
and make sure to subscribe so you can be the first to hear new episodes. Follow Josh Cantwell and his companies, Strategic Real Estate Coach and Freeland Ventures on all social media platforms now and stay up to date on new training and investment opportunities. To start your journey toward the lifestyle you've always dreamed of, apply for coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com. Oh.